Good morning, friends. Today's message is entitled, His Steadfast Love Endures Forever. My base text is Psalm 136. I just thought that today, just a few days before we gather with family and friends for Thanksgiving, that it would be good for us to look at something like Psalm 136, sometimes called the Hallelujah Psalm because it contains no petitions, it has no complaints, and no problems. Instead, it just contains a list of moments where God worked in history. Now, the worship leader would read the first line of each verse, and the congregation then would respond with, His steadfast love endures forever. Well, let's start here with the call to praise. Uh, The psalm begins this way in verses 1 to 3. Give thanks to the Lord for his good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, these verses offer us three reasons to praise God. One is that he is good. The other is that he is the God of gods. And third, he is the Lord of lords. Now, there are lots of gods, that's lots of lords that are scattered around in our world today. But there is only one true God who rules the universe. To that great God belongs our best and our deepest and our highest praise. Now, consider the meaning of these things. He's truly the supreme being of this entire universe. He is good in everything that he does. It's impossible to overestimate the value of those two truths. If he were not supreme, then why would we bother gathering here to worship him? If he were not good, well, obviously we could not trust him. But because he is both good and ultimately Lord, we not only trust him, but we bow before him. And we praise him and we worship him. But note the chorus in each of those verses I just read to you. His steadfast love endures forever. These simple words remind us that all things display God's love at work on behalf of his children. See, the Hebrew word here for love um, refers to loyal love, to faithful love, or what you might call covenant love. It's the love that lasts because it's based upon a, an unbreakable covenant. It's kind of like the, the covenant relationship between husband and wife at the time of marriage or a mother for her children. See, God's love is eternal because his covenant is also eternal. He cannot break his promises. He cannot love his, he cannot not love his children. But the meaning goes beyond that because it says God's love endures. See, it outlasts all problems of life. It transcends all the problems, or we've been talking about the last three weeks here with Pastor Mark, all of our anxiety every day. It goes beyond when our life even comes to an end. So when we stand at the grave of a loved one, We must know the truth so that we do not grieve, as Scripture says, as those who who don't understand. I mean, we do want to know where is our loved one. I mean, is death the end or is there something else? And what is it that gives us the confidence in death to still hold our heads up high and rejoice? I mean, how can we cross the Jordan River to reach the other side? Well, we we can because, well, his steadfast love endures forever we die but his steadfast love endures forever we fail but his steadfast love endures forever we stumble but his steadfast love endures forever 
Well, let's move on and take a look at um, the cause for praise. Uh, the remainder of Psalm 136 contains a kind of a survey of God's faithfulness down through history in verses 5 to 9. And then it actually ends up with their entry into the promised land in verses 10 through 16. But we're going to start at <clears throat> in verses 5 to 9. And interestingly enough, these verses uh, follow the general pattern of Genesis chapter 1. Verse 5, for example, as you look at it in your own Bibles or on your phones or whatever, parallels Genesis 1.1. Verse 6 <clears throat> ties in with verse 2. Verses 7 to 9 closely follow Genesis 1.14 to 18. And when you read this, you just note that the universe and everything in it is made by his understanding. Now, that rules out a purposeless evolution or blind fate. The universe came into being because God willed it to be. It came into existence by his understanding. I don't know if you ever heard of the Big Bang Theory. Well, you know what that was. Bang. God said said it and bang, it happened. The writer of Hebrews, uh, of Psalm 136 would agree. And Hebrews 11.3 states the same truth this way. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen is not, was not made out of what was invisible. See, the universe came into being by a plan that comes from the hand and the mind of our almighty God. Nothing was made by chance. Nothing evolved into being by a random mutation. It was God's understanding that stands behind the universe as you and I see it and as we can enjoy it. And since the universe, as it, as it is, rests on God's understanding, no one can understand the universe properly without knowing God. I mean, think of it this way. If you leave God out of the equation... You've missed the fundamental truth about this universe. And in order to understand human origins, to understand um, true history of the universe, we need to begin with God's understanding as he's revealed it to us in the word of God. Start here and you start, you start and you stand forever on solid ground. Start anywhere else and you sink into the quicksand of humanistic unbelief. See, in order to understand human origins, see, if it doesn't come from anywhere else and aren't going anywhere, then all we have is our 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 plus years to spend on planet Earth. So why not just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die? I mean, why get involved in anything outside ourself if this life is all there is? But if we were made in God's image, if he loves us so much that he would actually send his son to die for us, then nothing matters more than knowing this God deeply and intimately and passionately. Let's move on and talk a little bit about the Exodus here in verses 10 through 15. These verses recall the miracles where God freed his people from Egyptian bondage. It says, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a mighty hand, an outstretched arm to him who divided the sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. I read those words, and to me it sounds like God has no trouble defeating his enemies. He also had no trouble parting that Red Sea. 
He only asks that his people acknowledge that he did it and not them. Now, we should praise God not only that we are delivered, but our enemies are also scattered, that they're confounded, that they're utterly defeated. And the reason is because his steadfast love endures forever. Well, in verse 16, he talks about the wilderness. The psalmist sums up 40 years of wandering in just one simple little verse. He says, to him who led his people through the desert, his steadfast love endures forever. I mean, so many things happened during these 40 years. There was manna and quail. There was water that came out of a rock. There was Balaam and his talking donkey. Uh, Moses up on Mount Sinai, the golden calf, Kadesh Barnea. Uh, the 12 spies, uh, bitter water, uh, challenges, uh, uh, complaining uh, over Moses' leadership. I mean, through it all, God led his people to the promised land. And I hope you notice in this verse that it says that God led his people how? Through. Through the desert. He didn't lead it around them. In order to get to the promised land, uh, they had to go through the desert. And quite honestly, friends, that's the way we go through life as well. Uh, God leads us along on the path to heaven, uh, but they, uh, there often is no easy road to get there. There are often times in our own life, there are detours, there are switchbacks, uh, there are delays, and more than a few seemingly dead ends, but God works in and through all that we see that, they fin- that we finally arrive because... Again, his steadfast love endures forever. Well, then we can look at the conquest here in verses 16 to 22. <clears throat> you can find the story of Sihon and Og. That's what's talked about here. And go back and read Numbers 21. It's probably better than any football game will be on this afternoon. When Israel desired free passage to the land of the Amorites, Sihon, the king, refused to let the Israelites do it and then attack them on top of it. But he was soundly defeated by Israel, and Israel ended up occupying all the cities of the Amorites. And as they marched on down the road, another king by the name of Og, king of Bashan, marched out with his army to do battle. He, too, was totally defeated. Numbers 21, verse 35, say, So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army, leaving them no survivors. And they took possession of his land. I mean, I find these verses very encouraging because they remind us of God's faithfulness in spite of our past failures. Now, it would have been very easy for the Jews to think, well, I guess our sin has made God forget us. Uh, We have no hope. We have no future. We've blown everything. We're never going to get to the promised land. But despite their sin and despite their foolishness, despite their unbelief, God never gave up on his people. So I say to you this morning, friends, take hope. Your past does not determine your future. You may have failed over and over again, but there is still mercy for people who trust in the Lord. I mean, who knows? Tomorrow you might see that breakthrough that you've been finally waiting for simply because of this. His steadfast love endures forever. And then we see that it's even throughout history in verses 23 to 25. These verses contain three great truths about God. In verse 23, it says he remembered us. In verse 24, he freed us. Verse 25, he feeds us. Now, what God did for ancient Israel, he does for his people everywhere, all the time, in every situation, because, once again, his steadfast love endures forever. 
Well, let's get to the conclusion of this praise. Psalm 136 ends with a general call to praise God at all times. It says, give thanks to the God of heaven. Here we come again. His steadfast love endures forever. Well, I want to wrap up here this morning with three important conclusions. Here's conclusion number one. History is not about us. History's all about God. Now, this might seem like kind of an elementary or simplistic thing to say, but it is really a very profound truth. I mean, you are not the center of the universe. I am not the center of the universe. Pastor Mark is not the center of the universe. It is God who is. What happens to you matters, but the real point of life is to glorify God in all things to see his hand at work, to believe him even in the darkest moments of your life, to give him thanks for every victory that you managed to achieve, to lean upon his word, to grow more like him day by day, and to live in such a way that other people find it easy also to believe in him. See, that's why the psalmist connects the concrete facts with history, with a triumphant cry of praise. And friends, I tell you, if we somehow miss this or downplay verses like this, or if we think that God is somehow optional in our lives, then we have missed the very purpose of our existence. In this long recital of Israel's history, the psalmist uh, covers centuries of time in just a few sentences. I mean, God's plan was not always easily seen at every point along the way. See, when the Jews were groaning in Egypt under all of the pharaohs, we could understand why they might have felt abandoned by the Almighty God. Still, later they complained uh, against the Lord after they had been delivered, and now they actually wish that they were back in Egypt. But friends, as a friend of mine says, uh, the return to Egypt is not an option for believers. I mean, we sometimes forget God's goodness. We pray for deliverance, and then we complain about um, when it comes. But we were born, we were born wishing for something better. The psalm reminds us that God's ways and our ways are not the same. Now, generally, we only see God's uh, plan in retrospect, or as someone said, that life is best viewed in a rearview mirror. <clears throat> as we look back, we say, oh, wow, yeah, now I see it. But when we're in the furnace, we don't see anything but the flames. Friends, we need something like Psalm 136 to remind ourselves because we are so prone to forget these things. That God works across the centuries in order to establish his purposes on this earth. Just because we don't see it on a a Sunday morning at uh, 7.27 a.m. doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that we don't see it. (laughs) That's all it means. We are not the center of the universe. God is. Best that we should re- we should meditate on that fact because we certainly need to remember it before this year is over. Here's conclusion number two. Our faith rests on facts. The long recital of Israel's history teaches us that our faith rests upon the concrete facts and acts of God in human history. When Paul was, uh, the Apostle Paul was making his defense before King Agrippa, In Acts 26, he concluded uh, his statement (coughs) regarding the death and resurrection of Jesus with these words. He said in verse 26, I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. 
Now, what Paul is meaning here is something like this. Oh, King, you don't have to take my word for what I'm saying to you. I mean, check it out for yourself. The facts are there for anyone to see. And that's why the best answer sometimes to give to a skeptic is simply, hey, just read the Bible and make up your own mind. See, we have nothing to fear from the critics of the Christian faith uh, because our faith is founded on the great realities of the Bible. It's a literal creation done by the hand of God. The very existence of Israel, the miracles of the Old Testament, the 330-some prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament that all come true in the person of Jesus. And towering above all of those things is still the miraculous birth, uh, the sinless life, the sacrificial death, the victorious resurrection of Jesus, his ascension uh, into heaven. These things were not done in a corner. And here's our third conclusion. Remember the big picture. Let's say it again. His love endures, his steadfast love endures forever. You need to say this over and over to yourself. When you feel yourself tempted to despair, ponder this thought. His love, his steadfast love endures forever. When you want to give up, write this thought um, down and stick it up on your refrigerator or on your mirror in your bathroom. His steadfast love endures forever. I mean, tell your spouse, his steadfast love endures forever. Tell your children and your grandchildren, his steadfast love endures forever. When the devil comes and starts whispering in your ear about what a loser you are, you tell him to hit the road, Jack, because his steadfast love endures forever. When you have had all you can take and when the world seems to be collapsing all around you, stand up, lift up your head and shout, his steadfast love endures forever. So no matter what you're going to go through this coming week, his steadfast love endures forever. No matter what your problems are, his steadfast love endures forever. No matter how you feel, his steadfast love endures forever. Friends, I hope and pray that you will join me in standing on this great note. One more time. His steadfast love endures forever. See, because God cannot change. His love for us will never change. So as you gather together with your family and friends to celebrate Thanksgiving, might I suggest that someone stand up and actually read Psalm 136 to remind yourself and those gathered around you that you serve a God who acts in history, to remember that his ways are not our ways, to ponder his mighty power in this past and to consider how he has led you into through this life thus far and to think of the many promises that he has made and fulfilled in your life. <clears throat> so fix your mind on the Lord. No matter what else happens this year, Stake your claim right here and now and rejoice forever, one last time, because his steadfast love endures forever.